0: want to know then come on let's go
1: take a stroll down those what's going on mountaineer nation what's going on mountaineer nation Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast brought to you by Trio 4 Productions, the official podcast of Almost Heaven. Athletics and almostheavenathletics.com. Here today, we're going to recap the ninth game of the 2018 West Virginia football season as they defeated the TCU Horned Frogs 47-10, and we're also going to preview the upcoming tenth game of the season against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Join with, joining me, as always, is my co-host, is Stephen Vestal, who covers Mountaineer football for Almost Heaven Athletics and writes there at almostheavenathletics.com. How's it going, Stephen? Good to have you back, brother.
0: Doing pretty good, brother. How you
1: doing? Ah, doing real good. Can't complain. Can't complain. Season's going good, so that's always uh, makes for a better mood. There you go. All right. So, uh, as I mentioned, West Virginia defeated uh, TCU forty-seven to ten to put West Virginia at eight and one overall in the season and six and one in Big Twelve play with uh, two games left on the season. Um, any opening thoughts on this one before we get into the details of uh, recapping this thing?
0: I just want to say that I really liked how they played this past weekend. Um, I really thought that there might have been a hangover from the Texas game going into this one, Mm -hmm. but uh, I thought they showed uh, great competitiveness coming out and playing the way they did, especially for off quarters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. I uh, I remember I mentioned on the uh, preview of this game that I thought there may be a little bit of a hangover. You know, when you come off an emotional loss, there's a hangover, and I thought – uh, the same coming off the emotional win and a close game over over Texas and a big game there may be and um, maybe there was early on as West Virginia you know started kind of slow in that first quarter was down three nothing but uh I think that the bright side of that is it was more of a hangover that was just for you know a few series and for a quarter rather than a whole game you didn't see it uh, affecting for the whole game they really once they got going they just took off like a rocket.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, there at the beginning it looked kind of like a, a hangover might ensue, but I think that was more maybe accredited to uh, how TCU's defense was playing. I thought they were playing pretty well early on. It's just too much of West Virginia's offense to be outlasted.
1: Yeah, right on. Uh, TCU, one of the better uh, defenses in the Big 12, and it took West Virginia a while to figure it out, but uh, once they did, they got going um, big time. I mentioned they were down... 3 to nothing. so then they outscored TCU 47-7 to seven for the rest of the game following getting behind 3 nothing. So really impressive performance, especially from the second quarter on. It was the largest loss ever for TCU under uh, head coach Gary Patterson, who's been there, I think, 18 seasons now. So that's impressive when you can uh, go out and, and do that. And just the way that West Virginia uh, beat them, TCU doesn't really get beat like that, so I think it just speaks to uh, – this team's motivation right now trying to uh, finish out this season strong, get to their first Big 12 championship game, and maybe beyond. Don't you think this team's kind of playing pretty motivated right now?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's uh, probably the most motivated that I've seen them, um, uh, definitely since joining the Big 12, but probably the most motivated that I've seen them since uh, probably 11 years ago when they played. uh, They almost played for the national championship in 2007. Right. Uh, this team may even be more motivated than that team, uh, just for the fact that they don't have anyone looking. There's people talking about them being in the playoff spot right now, but I don't think that really anyone is giving them a real shot of being there. And I think that they're trying, they're playing their tails off right now, trying to prove to people that they belong in that in that conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They um, they're not focusing on it really, but I think that it's extra motivation yeah. for them because you know you hear. When people talk about the Big 12 getting into the playoffs, the only team that you really hear mentioned is Oklahoma. They don't even really mention the Mountaineers as having a chance, and I think that that's something that West Virginia has always thrived off of is being the underdog and being overlooked, and I think that's helping motivate them here late in this year as well. Oh, absolutely. All right, so a couple big things statistically that happened in this game. First, we'll talk about Will Greer. Um, In in the game against TCU, Will Greer tied the record for the most 300-yard passing games ever in a career at West Virginia with his 17th 300-yard passing game, which ties the record that was set by Geno Smith, and um, it's really impressive for Greer just because how he's done it in, I think he played nine games last year, and then through, this was the ninth game this year, so, you know, in a little under under 20 games, really, that he's played in fully, he's 17 300-yard passing games, so... Really impressive. He's tied the school record for most 300-yard passing games in kind of a short career here. And um, anything you want to add on that? And Will Greer and how he's been for this team, not only this season but really throughout his time at West Virginia. Uh, I think it's
0: it's really incredible that he's that he's done it in such a short period of time. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, you know Gino's up there, but he's you know he only he had what three years to play.
1: Yeah, three years, um, and, and I think Morgan he even down. played a played a, a game or two his, his freshman year maybe also, so. I mean, yeah,
0: 33 yeah, years his, at least uh, the Gator Bowl his freshman year and maybe one other game that year. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, other than that, you know, not really many people have come through Morgantown and, and been incredible in a short period of time like Will Greer has. I think we're really – we've been spoiled to it the past few seasons, so it's probably going to be um, a hard adjustment. Of course, I don't know what Jack Allison playing the way he is. It might not be, but um, – yeah, I think it's quite incredible the way he, he's slung the ball around these past two seasons.
1: Yeah, so he's tied that record, and, I mean, I think that he's probably definitely going to break that and have the most 300-yard passing games in school history, wouldn't you say? Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's going to have at least, at least two to three, anywhere from two to four more chances to do that, really, uh, when you look at, you know, he's going to have two more games in a bowl game and then possibly a Big 12 championship game as well. So he should definitely be able to uh, break that record. Then another uh, thing that I want to talk about, another accomplishment that was reached, and this one is uh, Dana Holgerson. He got his 61st win, and that put him second all-time in school history in head coaching wins as he surpassed Rich Rodriguez, who was sitting at 60. So uh, any thoughts on Dana and his career here, and specifically maybe this year, and just him breaking that uh, record and being second all-time in wins behind Don Nealon?
0: Um I think it's incredible to finally see it. I know that, um, uh, well, obviously you've been high up on him all the way through his career at WVU. Mm -hmm. Um, I've tried to be high up on him. There's been times that I've, um, I'll be honest, I've been doubtful of him. Um, But I've tried to stick it out and be, you know, a fan of him all the way through. And I've always thought that he, you know, just needed time to get his recruits up at WVU. And, you know, he will be all right. And I think you're finally seeing that come to fruition um, with some of these guys that he's gotten into Morgantown. We're finally in a spot to win a Big 12 championship. Uh, we're no longer middle of the pack, bottom feeders in the conference. Um, I just I think it's incredible to finally see him do what we thought that he was going to be doing at the beginning of his career. And right. you know, he, there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be people that's calling for his head whenever we have a bad game or, God forbid, a loss. I think that he's done a really credible job of ignoring all that. And, you know, sticking to the task at hand, and he's got a real good chance of being the winningest coach. You um, all in the next few seasons if he keeps up that work.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's got a um, he's got a he's got a good chance to uh, do so if he you know chooses to stick around, which I definitely hope he does. Like you said, I've loved him since day one, and I'm starting to finally see the fruits of that labor of uh, sticking behind him now. as I think that West Virginia's really turned a corner in these past I don't know two to three years. Probably they've been right there on the cusp of. Uh, Big 12 title, Big 12 championship game, and I think that this is the year they're finally going to break through and get there, and then hopefully they can uh, maintain that type of success throughout and remain uh, competitive through the conference going forward, because I really like what I've seen, and I hope that they can keep that up. Um, I want to talk for a minute about the West Virginia defense. Uh, Throughout the season, they've been uh, doing really well. Um, I know me and you, before the season, thought that people were kind of sleeping on them, and they were going to be a lot better than people expected uh, since Tony Gibson came, they've been pretty solid with the exception of last year. And I think people were kind of looking to last year and figuring that they was going to continue to go down that path, but they haven't done that. They've uh, really improved greatly. They're top 25 in the country and uh, uh, scoring defense. And they held TCU to only 222 total yards and held TCU to negative seven rush yards. So, um, what are your thoughts on the defense's performance, not only this season, but especially last game against TCU, holding them to negative uh, seven rushing yards? Uh,
0: I think that they have been playing lights out this season. I mean, obviously, they've been playing lights out, but like you said before the season, you know, there's a lot of naysayers and going, you know, talking about this defense. Um, and especially even now, I feel like uh, mm-hmm. when, you know, you mentioned anytime anybody mentions the Big 12 getting into the playoff, they always mention Oklahoma, and they followed that up by mentioning, <clears throat> excuse me, they follow that up by mentioning how bad Oklahoma's defense is. And then they talk about how there's no defense in the Big 12, and then they fail to mention anything about WVU's defense. And I feel like WVU has um, probably the best defense in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you really look at it, I mean, they're allowing the least amount of points out of any defense in the Big 12. Uh, I just feel like that they're, even with the way that they've played all season long, they still haven't gotten the, the respect that they deserve.
1: No, I don't know if it's just because of the uh, preconceived notions about the big twelve not playing defense or or what it is, but it's they they don't really get recognition, not only the West Virginia defense, but big twelve defenses in general. And it's kind of frustrating because, like you said, you hear them talk about you know Oklahoma or something. they're like, well, they don't have no defense, but then they'll sit there and talk about you know Michigans and the and the Notre Dames and stuff. And, don't and, you know, mention how good their defenses are, but don't mention, well, their offense isn't very good. You know, it's, a, it's the same side of another coin that they never want to talk about, and I don't really understand that.
0: I'm not sure if uh, – I've always, you know, felt like there was a, I don't know, a conspiracy or what you would want to call it, but you know, the people in the national spotlight do not like to give West Virginia the, uh, the respect that they're uh, due, it seems like
1: yeah absolutely and speaking of getting the respect that they're due um coach Holgerson pointed out in his weekly press conference this week something that really stuck out to me was David Long has yet to be named Big 12 player of the week defensively this season and that's uh really just a travesty because of the season he's having he should have been named probably national player of the week defensively at least a couple weeks um you know last week was a really impressive performance he had four tackles for a loss three sacks three pass breakups and on the season, he has 84 tackles, 17 and a half tackles for a loss, eight sacks. Um, what are your thoughts on David Long? Um, not only throughout the country this year, I think he's one of the better linebackers in the country, but as far as West Virginia history defensively, I mean, where do you rank him? How how special is David Long? Uh,
0: I, personally, I would rank him up uh, top five linebackers of all time at W. Mm. Um, that's with... A lot of big, big names like Scott Jerko. Um, a lot of a lot of guys that have come through there and were, were the golden blue and that were tough heads. I think that he's right up there with them. I mean, if you talk about last year's defense, last year's defense was David Long. We didn't have anybody besides him oh, yeah. that played, you know, every single game consistently. And I think, like you said, I'm right there with Holy. I think that he's do more respect obviously than what he's gotten this season i think that he's playing with a chip on his shoulder i think he actually uses that um as motivation going into each week that he doesn't get that kind of respect or that kind of acknowledgement from anybody that that he feels like he may deserve uh and he really it really shows every single week
1: yeah absolutely he's a guy that plays with reckless abandon and um i'm with you i think he's top five i'd probably have him Top two linebackers in Western history up there, maybe Daryl Talley up there, but he's right there at the top for me, and I think he's one of the better linebackers in college football, period. I mean, he leads the team in tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks, and I think he's up near the top, I think he's top five in the Big 12 in every one of those categories, if not top three. So, um, amazing year for David Long, and uh, this defense has really played well this year throughout. And then one more guy I want to talk about that had a uh, impressive performance against TCU, and it's uh, Trevon Wesco. You know we mentioned him, I think, briefly last week um, for his you know what he's been doing. He's really opened up uh, the run game. I think a lot of the run game success here in the past two or three weeks he can he's played a big part in that and his blocking. But we saw him against TCU have five catches for 86 yards and a touchdown and that ended up uh, making him the leading uh, receiver for West Virginia in terms of receiving yards, and he's the first tight end to accomplish that feat since all the way back in 2002. So any thoughts on Trevon Wesco's performance uh, this past week? Uh,
0: there, you can't say enough about the kid. I think that uh, this past weekend was a long time coming in terms of his performances. I think he's been working his way to that point all season long, and I don't think it's going to be the best game that you see out of him. Um, within the next few games, I think that he's probably going to have an even better game than that with the way he's been playing. Yeah. He's just extremely athletic, extremely intelligent about the game of football. Um, I've, I've been looking for West Virginia to use tight ends more and more the past few seasons because I've been watching, you know, I, I don't know if it's just me, I don't know if anybody else has noticed it, but I feel like the past few seasons, especially, you know, all, dating all the way back to 2012, you watch the Oklahomas, and mm-hmm. even when Baylor was playing good and TCU was playing good, their biggest threat when they weren't throwing to their wide outs or their running back was their tight end, and that's one of the biggest things that West Virginia could not stop. And I felt like if West Virginia could get one of the you know a presence like that, then they could be dangerous as well. And I think that you're finally seeing that and Trayvon West, he, as big as he is, he's just he's like another runaway beer truck like Owen Schmidt back in the day.
1: Yeah, actually, <laughs> after say. the catch, he's hard to bring down. And uh, I'm like you, I've always wanted West Virginia to uh, employ a tight end like that, and I think that uh, you're seeing that this year, but not only this year, but here as it gets late into the season, you're seeing it more. I think that they were kind of uh, saving it. Um, You know, you could argue maybe they should have pulled it out a week earlier against Iowa State, but um, ever since then, he's really been involved in the offense. He's had – most of his catches have come here in the past about three weeks or so, so I think it's something that – we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg, and I think there's other things in the playbook that we haven't seen yet that we'll see over these next two to three weeks probably that'll help this West Virginia offense even more. And I'm I'm excited to see what uh, Wesco and and Javonnie Haskins as well are going to bring to the table for this offense to help them uh, score some points and gain some yardage in these big uh, big games coming up.
0: Oh, for sure. I know. I like the fact that Dana's been using more and more of his playbook every single week. He told us, you know, at the beginning of the season after the 10 league game, they asked him how much of the playbook did he use in that game, and he said 25%. And I don't even think we've seen 100% of that play, playbook all the way up to this
1: point. I still feel like that uh, there's things to be to be played. No, I agree. I think ever since the bye week, it's been almost like you've seen something new you haven't seen yet, just a new wrinkle every week. And um, I think that's going to continue. Um, having said that, uh, Last thing I want to talk about uh, unit-wise is I want to give a tip of the cap to the offensive line yet again. Um, Second straight week, uh, zero sacks on Will Greer. And uh, that's uh, big, uh, especially when you're playing a good defense like TCU. But it's big the way that they've bounced back in pass protection after struggling before the bye week. And – Zero sacks yet again, so hopefully they can keep that going, Uh, especially coming up against Oklahoma State because that's kind of the strength of their defense is getting sacks. Talk more about Oklahoma State here in a minute, but uh, hats off to the offensive line, I think, for um, their performances of
0: late. Yeah, you have to give credit where credit's due, and I think that they've been playing lights out these past couple of games. Uh, The the offense got 535 yards of offense in the past game. Um, I'm pretty sure they came close to that. in the Texas game, I, I, you can't say enough about those guys. They, Because at the beginning of the season, you know, there was a lot of criticism based upon them letting people through, and that's a lot of the reason that we weren't, you know, getting the ball rolling early. I, I feel like that's what you could have accredited to. Uh, but ever since that loss to Iowa State, they've they really kicked it the
1: gear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you. So, um, having said that, before we uh... – Put a bow on this uh, recap of the ninth game of the season against TCU and West Virginia's victory. Before we look ahead to next week, uh, let's talk uh, players of the game in this one. Um, offensively, who do you have as your player of the game in this game?
0: It's gonna be. An issue. I'm gonna have to go with Trayvon Wesco. Uh, that guy, you, like I said, you can't say enough about him. He just comes every single week, and it seems like he's playing better and better every single game.
1: Absolutely. I, uh, I also actually uh, chose Travon Wesco. It's kind of hard not to with, uh, you know, like I said, he's the first tight end to lead West Virginia in receiving yards since 2002. And then also just the holes he's been opening in the run game and the way he's been driving people. It's just um, really impressive performances as of late. And I think that uh got to give it uh, to Wesco in this one. So um, now uh, defensively, uh mentioned the big uh, game from David Long. A few other guys had solid games. Um, I think there was a couple forced fumbles, a few tackles for a loss. Uh, Dante Steele was forced to safety on a sack, had a couple tackles for a loss. But uh, my player of the game defensively, uh, we talked about him earlier, got to give it to David Long, I think. Six tackles, four tackles for a loss, three sacks, three pass breakups. Um, that's impressive. The four tackles for loss and three sacks is impressive enough, but then when you add three pass breakups in there with it, I mean, he's really all over the field. It's it's very rarely you hear uh, you know, or see watch the game and see people around the ball. And David Long's not there. He's there every time. His name's on the broadcast, whether you're listening on the radio or watching on television, you're hearing about David Long on almost every play for this West Virginia defense. He's always around and uh, making plays. And I got David Long as my player of the game on defense in this one. Uh, What about you, Steven? Yeah, um,
0: kind of hard to go against Long with this one. Like you said, the three sacks and, you know, everything that he did in this game, the kid just brings his lunch pail every single week and Mm -hmm. goes to work. You know, he never has a bad game. I don't feel like, like you say, he's around the ball every single, every single play. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's hard to go against David Long with this, one, with the kind of performance not only in this game, but in every game. And yeah. national spotlight and with the Big 12 not giving him player of the week i guess we it leaves it to us i'm going to have to yeah give it
1: we'll just to we'll him. just double down on giving him uh our player of the game uh, <laughs> this week and make up for it but yeah it's it's been really impressive you know especially you know this game he only had 6 tackles but uh Coach Gibson mentioned that the past two weeks teams have been taking three receivers and spreading them out close to the sideline on whatever side he's playing to try and get him out of the box, and then that way they can run away from him. And even with teams still doing that to rack up the numbers that he did is very impressive because he's finding ways to still make plays despite teams game planning against him now at this point. So can't say enough about David Long. Alright, so I guess that will pretty much wrap up our Game 9 recap. Now let's uh, switch gears and look ahead now to the 10th game of the 2018 West Virginia football season against the Oklahoma State Cowboys as we get set to preview that contest. All right. So as we mentioned, uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers will take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys on the road in Stillwater at 3:30 on Saturday, and that game will be televised on ABC. West Virginia is seventh in the AP poll, seventh in the coaches poll, uh, ninth in the College Football Playoff rankings. Still, Oklahoma State comes in at five and five overall and two and five in Big 12 play. Um, any opening thoughts on this one before we get into uh, the details of this thing, Stephen?
0: I've been wrestling around with this one pretty much all We're Honestly, kind of nervous. I know I said this last week about TCU, but I'm really am more so nervous about this game. I know a lot of people are. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> this Oklahoma State team, I know the record's 5-5, five 2-5 five, in the conference, but they are a way better football team than what their record shows. Absolutely. Um, you know, they've taken almost every team that they've played down to the wire when they have lost games. Uh, when they've won games, they've won them very impressively. They get Justice Hill back this week. Uh, their their wide receiver Wallace is playing great. Cornelius, their quarterback, is playing great. Um, I think West Virginia uh, is going to have to play great once again for all four quarters to be able to win this game. And I'm not, I won't be surprised if it ends up a lot like uh, West Texas game or the Oklahoma State, Oklahoma game from last week, where it comes down to the wire, uh, ends up on a one point, uh, you know, one point game on the final play of the game.
1: Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. It's going to be a a tough contest that could come down to the wire. And as you mentioned, Oklahoma State is coming off a forty-eight to forty-seven loss to uh, number six Oklahoma last week on the road in Norman. A game that came down to the end. Oklahoma State drove uh, what would have tied it up. They tried to go for two for the win, couldn't quite convert that, but uh, played a great game, arguably their best of the season, and. Um, it's kind of weird this Oklahoma State team, um, how they've been this season. They've been kind of uh, Jekyll and Hyde, if you'll, if if you will, just because the way they've played. You know, they beat Boise State by 23. They beat uh, Texas when Texas was sixth in the country, and like we said, just nearly beat Oklahoma last week. But then, on the other side of that coin, they also lost by 24 points to Texas Tech, and lost by 19 points to Kansas State, and also lost by four to Baylor. So. What do you make of this uh, Oklahoma State team, and are they is it just inconsistency you think, or um, do they have to just been getting up for the big games? Um, what do you make about their season so far, kind of? Mm, I think that um, I think
0: they have a lot of youth. I think that they've they have a lot of struggle getting up for games. I guess you could say. Um, um, I I really don't know what you could attribute to um, other than that. Yeah. It's... They play they play against teams that are really good. and they, Hit, you know, really subpar against teams that aren't that good. Um, like Texas Tech, like you said, they lost by what, 24 points, I think it was?
1: Yeah.
0: And so, uh, I think that this team just has a struggle with playing for all four quarters every single week. They, they give games, and they they just don't fit the small games. And what you've seen that out of West Virginia in years past. They've done the same thing. Yeah. It's... And then they, you know, come out as a team that's highly ranked. And playing good for all four quarters, uh, and, but I don't think that you're going to see a bad team tomorrow from Oklahoma State. I think you see them play their best game and give West Virginia their best shot.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's kind of hard to uh, know what Oklahoma State team to expect, but uh, you know it. It seems like when they've played the higher ranked teams, the the bigger matchups, they've really got up for those and and played well. So I think West Virginia's got to expect. To see Oklahoma State's best in Stillwater on Saturday. And West Virginia should be hungry uh, to get a win in this one, not only because what's at stake for them, but also Oklahoma State has uh, beat West Virginia the past three consecutive matchups. So um, West Virginia has uh, plenty of motivation for this game and and should be ready themselves, I feel like. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, Let's talk about the personnel of Oklahoma State. Uh, start with the offense uh, they have an explosive offense as they uh, have 10 kind of tended to you know the past uh, you know decade or so I guess you'd say and this year they're averaging 39 points per game and over 500 yards per game uh, they can they're pretty balanced uh, almost 200 ret, uh, rushing yards per game and over 300 passing yards per game so um, pretty solid and I think they've really gotten better as the years gone along um, you know They started off kind of shaky. Cornelius was kind of shaky, had some down games. But here, especially in the f- past few weeks, seems like they've really found their identity and found their footing and uh, started playing well. And some of the key players on that offense, uh, we'll start with uh, Taylor Cornelius. I mentioned he's kind of been up and down. Uh, coming off his best game, though, he threw for 501 yards against Oklahoma. But he can also uh, hurt you with his legs as he shows seven rushing TDs on the season. But then, you know, uh, like I said, he's been kind of up and down because he also, you know, threw for over 500 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions against Oklahoma. But then in the loss to Kansas State, he had 180 yards and threw two interceptions. So uh, what are your thoughts on the Oklahoma State quarterback, uh, Taylor Cornelius?
0: Thank you that he struggled early on with just being uh, new under center, uh, and it was his first season. He's been patiently waiting for – but I think it's his fifth year at Oklahoma State this year, right. and he finally got a chance to be their quarterback. So I think that it maybe towards the first part of the season was him trying to shake a little bit of that off, and he's finally found his rhythm now, and I think that he's really been playing great as a boy.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, it's uh, kind of probably a thing of where, you know, he, he's he been around all, all all along. Like, he's a fifth-year senior, like you said, waited for his shot, but uh, – he also had, hadn't really played any either, so, so it took him a while to kind of get his uh, footing and, uh, and get going. And I think now you're starting to see uh, what he can really do. And then uh, the other other key players on that offense, of course, you have uh, running back Justice Hill, who led the Big 12 in rushing last year and is second in that category thus far this year. One of the better running backs in Oklahoma State's uh, storied history, which is saying a lot Look when you look at some of the great ones they've had. Um, he needs 70 yards to have a third straight 1,000-yard rushing season. And then also they have a good player on their backup, Chuba Hubbard, who replaced Hill last week versus Oklahoma as he went out with the rib injury. But Hill will be back for this game. So what are your thoughts on Justice Hill and uh, the Oklahoma State run game in general, really?
0: I've always said that Justice Hill is probably one of the best running backs in the entire Big 12, uh, if not the country. Um, him coming back from injury is really going to be something that I don't know if you could say West Virginia should key on it, but I, I don't feel like they should just let that go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing, if you besides Justice Hill, um, going back to Taylor Cornelius, Taylor Cornelius running. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're obviously going to get yardage out of Justice Hill. Uh, he's obviously going to be good good every single game that he plays um he's obviously a key matchup like i said but uh, i don't think that he's the main factor of their offense that we need to key on this week
1: right and then um you know they they run the ball well with hill but uh they've really uh, made hay passing the ball in the past few weeks especially in their big games um They've got a few good receivers. Dylan Stoner's one that's been there for a while. He shows a reception in 22 straight games. And Tyron Johnson was a big transfer that they got from LSU. Uh, played a little bit last year, but really started to come on this year. Had his best game of the season in career high 11 catches last week against Oklahoma. But the big guy to watch out for is Tylen Wallace. He's a Blitnikoff semifinalist. He's uh, played his best in their big games this year. Against Oklahoma and against Texas, he had over 10 receptions in both those games and over 200 yards in both of those games. He's currently third in the nation in receiving with 1,282 yards, so he's a dangerous threat, and West Virginia's going to have to watch out for him. Uh, What are your thoughts on these uh, Oklahoma State receivers and maybe more specifically uh, Tylen Wallace and his big play capabilities? Uh, uh,
0: When we talk about, receivers that West Virginia had and how good they are, but I don't think anybody's given enough credit to the Oklahoma State receivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, Taylor Cornelius is good, and, and I'm not trying to say that he isn't, but I think that a lot of his performance this season could be accredited to those receivers in the way that they've played. I mean, Tylen Wallace, the kid, has a, he's got 1,200 yards receiving already this year, nine touchdowns, uh, 68 receptions. You, know, you compare that to someone like David Seals, David Seals has somewhere around 700 yards and only 49 receptions. Uh, I mean, the kid, Tylen Wallace has been going up and getting that thing all season long. And I think that he's probably one of the better uh, receivers in the entire country. I think the West Virginia secondary is going to have a really tough time um, stopping him on Saturday. And that's why I think a lot of the game is going to be close. Because that's one thing that stopped West Virginia from blowing away with the game against Texas. Because little Jordan Humphrey kept going up and getting the ball. And uh, making it a game, and you couldn't stop the kid all day. And I feel like you're going to see a lot of the same things with Tylen Wallace.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I think Tylen Wallace has a lot of those same capabilities, and he also has um, speed to go with it more so than uh, Lord Jordan Humphrey did. And I think that uh, the one thing that kind of concerns me is if there's an area where West Virginia's corners have struggled this year, it's been against double moves. And as I watch Oklahoma State play and the, a few times I've gotten to watch them this year, that's kind of their go-to uh, thing when they want to take deep shots is double moves from the receivers, uh, specifically Tyler Wallace. So hopefully West Virginia is game-planning for that and, and kind of ready for that and doesn't bite on those double moves as badly as they have at times this season. But talking about the West Virginia defense going up against this um, Oklahoma State offense, um, what do you think West Virginia needs to do to uh, be successful and get – you know, maybe enough stops and keep Oklahoma State out of the end zone to um, give them a good chance to win this game.
0: I think if West Virginia does a good job of winning the turnover battle, uh, obviously that's going to be a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. I think that if West Virginia's secondary can stop their receivers, that's going to be um, the key for us on uh, on Saturday. I know that we should stop their running game, and Justice Hill is going to be a factor. But I feel like if we stop their run, if we stop their passing game. Uh, we should be okay at stopping the run game. Because our defensive line, I feel like, has been playing very, very well Mm -hmm. the past couple weeks especially.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that the uh, thing that would probably help West Virginia the most is to try and uh, get some pressure on Taylor Cornelius and just don't allow him to sit back there in the pocket all day and kind of make him try and throw on the run because – he can, he's a player that can run well, but he doesn't throw on the run well. And so I think getting him off his spot with some uh, uh, well timed witches will do West Virginia well in this one because this is probably a game where, you know, if you can get some turnovers or even, you know, force some field goals instead of uh, six points, it's uh, going to make a big difference in the long run, I feel like. So flip over, and, uh, flip over and look at the other side now. Uh, talk about the Oklahoma State defense. They've uh, struggled to stop the run game. They've given up over 200 yards to uh, Texas Tech, Baylor, and Kansas State, and gave up over 300 yards rushing last week to Oklahoma total. So you think that's a good recipe for West Virginia to maybe try and focus on the run in this one, especially as they're starting to have the most success they've had in the run game here in the past uh, few weeks?
0: Yeah, I do. I, I, like you said, I think, you know, with the way Kennedy McCoy has been running and Martel Petaway, both of them guys have been running angry the past couple of weeks, I, I feel like. And so I feel like <clears throat> West Virginia has too much power in their running game. I mean, especially in their their passing game, but I think they have too much power in their run game for uh, Oklahoma Max.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the Oklahoma State pass defense has. Um, not fared much better, really. It's given up over 250 yards per game. Um, you know, overall, this Oklahoma State defense has kind of struggled statistically. They're ninth out of 10 teams in the Big 12 in rushing defense, 7th out of 10 in the Big 12 in passing defense, and 8th in both scoring defense and total defense. But the one uh, bright spot of their defense has been uh, providing pressure. They're 4th in the country in sacks, and they lead the Big 12 in both sacks and tackles for a loss. So... um, you know, I think that the, one of the bigger keys for the West Virginia offense is probably going to be uh, blocking. Actually, in this one, uh, wouldn't you agree?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I was going to say because you know, without Oklahoma State's defensive line, they have no defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their secondary is is very subpar, um, and the only kind of presence that they've had on defense, like you said, in their defensive line. So I think that. What we' on um, is our offensive line blocking keeping little grip protected all day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that um you know the Oklahoma State has some experienced corners, one being uh, senior A j Green who's a pretty good player, but uh, they've been really susceptible, especially with the uh, safeties, the way they've been playing. So um, West Virginia's going to have some chances in this one. If they can just give uh, Will Greer just enough time, I think that Oklahoma State, you know, they're going to bring a lot of blitzes, a lot of pressure. So it's probably going to be some one-on-one man uh, coverage opportunities. So West Virginia, this could be one of those games where we see a lot of those big plays from West Virginia. And uh, I think they have an advantage here um, just due to the fact the way Oklahoma State uh, plays defense. Uh, do you think West Virginia's got a chance to rip off uh, quite a few big plays in this one, possibly?
0: Uh, I think that's what's going to be the deciding factor. I think the more big plays the West Virginia gets, the more West Virginia will win by. Uh, that's been West Virginia's go-to all season. They've lived, in, they haven't died by, it except for Oklahoma, except or I mean except for Iowa State, right? But they've lived all season long. That's West Virginia's identity as a play, and I don't think that. Um, you're going to see anything short of that on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think this Oklahoma State team has a, a very capable and scary offense, but if there's one thing that uh, uh, makes eases some concerns about this game, it's the Oklahoma State defense and how they've given up uh, big games rushing and how they've been susceptible to the big play, which is kind of where uh, West Virginia's made hay here this season So and kind of been their bread and butter. So that kind of eases concerns because – I'm more confident in the West Virginia defense than I am the Oklahoma State defense by far, and I think the offenses are kind of similar. So uh, probably a slight advantage there for West Virginia, and that's probably why they're favored in this game. Um, speaking of uh, fa- being favored, um, West Virginia is favored to win, and so if they do come away with that win, what do you have as your X factor in this game that helps lead them to that victory?
0: Um, my a little bit of it's got to be how West Virginia secondary does at stopping their receivers. I think if uh, we can do a good job of that, if King Bailey and all of them can do a good job of that, uh, we have a really strong chance of winning the football game.
1: Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, my X factor, I uh, went with a little intangible aspect again for I think the second straight week, but I'm going to say limiting turnovers, just because. Um, I mentioned earlier that Oklahoma State has beaten West Virginia three consecutive years. And if you look, uh, last year, uh, West Virginia had five turnovers in that game. And the year prior to that, I, they had four turnovers in that game. So, um, you know, nine turnovers the last two years versus Oklahoma State. And that's probably one of the main reasons that um, they haven't been able to get uh, victories. You know, last year specifically, they only ended up losing by 11 despite five turnovers. Uh, four interceptions by Will, thrown by Will Greer last year arguably the worst game of his career, came against this Oklahoma State team last year. So I think he's going to be extra uh, motivated to uh, have a good game against them. But if West Virginia can limit turnovers and more specifically win the turnover battle, I think they've got a great chance to walk away with a, a win in this one.
0: I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, dating back to last year's Oklahoma State game, like you said, I think... I believe truly to this day that Wilgre had that game because of the way it rained that day. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that he's played... I feel like consistently better in rainy games, um, but that that day, um, I, I just remember nothing but a downfall. Uh, that's probably one of the heavier rains that I put that in during a game, and that uh, had a lot to do with some last year.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it affected both teams. You've seen Oklahoma State had a lot of success in that game, run the ball, and they were a team that came in with a strong passing game with Mason Rudolph and James Washington. And neither one of those made a very large impact in that game either. I think they had a running back with over 30 carries in that game last year, actually. So, um, you know, the rain definitely, I think, uh, affected the game and affected uh, the way both teams played for sure. So hopefully uh, get uh, clear weather for this one on Saturday. Looking that way. All right, so uh, having said that, we'll get into uh, predictions here um, for this one Saturday in Stillwater. Uh, Big game for West Virginia second-to-last game of the season, final road game of the regular season, Um, a a win by West Virginia uh, accompanied with a loss by Iowa State to uh, Texas in a game that will occur later Saturday night would clinch a spot in the Big 12 championship game for West Virginia. So it's a big game uh, regardless. Um, You know, West Virginia needs a win to stay on the hunt for the Big 12 championship game and a win accompanied with – some other things could quench them a spot in the big 12 championship game. So having said that, what are your predictions for it down there in Stillwater on Saturday? Um, what's your score prediction, Steven? Prediction? Uh,
0: I'm going to go 44 to 43 West Virginia. Uh, like I said earlier, I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's going to come down to the wire. And I think the last one in, in the game, um, it's just a hard place to play at Boone Picking stadium. they You know, the confined areas on the sidelines can make it hard for players to play. Uh, It's a really loud stadium. They have those paddles that they smack on the walls or whatever, but uh, I think West Virginia will outlast them, but I think it'll be really close again.
1: Right on, man. I, um, you know, I've struggled with this one myself. Uh, I thought it's going to be really close, and then you know, I've thought the other way kind of too. And so I've kind of settled somewhere in the middle of the two. I think that um, Oklahoma State could be a team that's, uh, you know, coming off an emotional loss could come out flat and it just depends on how West Virginia if West Virginia starts fast do does that um, knock Oklahoma State's confidence down and they don't even you know don't even give that big effort that they've given against Oklahoma and Texas or is Oklahoma State going to come out really trying to play and knock West Virginia out of their uh, Big Twelve uh, championship hunt and out of the College Football Playoff hunt but. I think that, you know, West Virginia is extra motivated. As we mentioned earlier, they're playing really motivated, one of the most motivated teams we've seen in the past decade for the Mountaineers. And I think that they're also motivated by the fact that they want to beat this Oklahoma State team, uh, not only due to their poor performance last year, but how uh, poorly they performed in the past three contests as Oklahoma State's won all three of those. So I think this Mountaineer team is going to come out get off to a fast start. I think Oklahoma State may have a slow start and uh, battle back as the game goes along, but I think West Virginia's offense is going to pull off some big plays in this one against that uh, susceptible Oklahoma State defense, and I've got West Virginia getting the win in the end by a score of 48-38. to Mountaineers pull away and get the victory in the end. Alright, so uh, I guess that will pretty much wrap up uh, our Game 10 preview, and um, any... Final thoughts here as we get ready to close out the, uh, podcast this week, Steven?
0: Uh, I'm not a whole lot. I just hope we get to, you know, to number nine this week. Uh, if we win this week, it's going to be a very exciting week next weekend in Morgantown. So, so here's to that.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm just, uh, I'm hoping for a, uh, for a West Virginia win to set up, you know, one of the bigger games and, uh, recent memory in West Virginia football, especially um, one of the bigger home games. And um, Morgantown will be rocking next week uh, regardless, but especially if West Virginia pulls off a win on Saturday in Stillwater.
0: Yeah, I believe that if they if they win this and it's going to be uh, what I believe is arguably the best, biggest home game ever seen in Morgantown.
1: I'm right there with you, and I hope we get to see it just – Hopefully they take care of business in Stillwater, and we're uh, treated to that uh, next week on Black Friday against Oklahoma. So having said that, that will pretty much close us out here on this week's edition of the Country Roads webcast brought to you by Trio Four Productions. We are the official podcast of Almost Heaven Athletics and almostheavenathletics.com. If you don't already, give the podcast a follow on Twitter. You can do that by searching our Twitter handle at WVU Country Roads. And we're hoping to see a Mountaineer victory on the road Saturday in Stillwater. Having said that, for Stephen Vestal, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go Mountaineers let